in this reissue episode, we are happy to share the most downloaded 2021 episode of Dog Save the People, which was Pay It Back, featuring my old friend George Hahn. During a year when many of us are reevaluating our actions and how we can be better people, it makes sense that George's story of trying to make amends by taking the best care of his current dogs is a tale that resonated with many people. So without further ado, here's our most popular episode of 2021. Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. George Hahn is a jack of many trades, including a social media consultant, writer, and sartorialist who has cultivated an online following of his own. He is also a former actor who appeared on both Law and Order and Sex and the City. And he has two dogs, Smokey and Lenore. George, welcome to Dog Save the People. It's so great to see you. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, John. So good to see you. <laughs> We've known each other for many years. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's such a pleasure and a thrill to, to have you on our show. Now, we met when I was designing costumes for a play that you were starring in. And then from there, we actually ended up working together. Uh, You helped me with all of my social media and building my website out. It has been so fascinating to watch your career within the world of social media. So, George, let's talk about a little bit about your childhood. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe that you are a Midwesterner like myself. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and if you had any dogs in your life as a young boy. I grew up in Cleveland. We're both Ohio boys. Yes. You were at the bottom of the state. I was at the top of the state. And we had a dog once when I was in fourth grade. I wanted one so bad. And we got one. It was from a breeder in Youngstown, which is just south of Cleveland. And I remember the night we went to go get her. She was a golden retriever from the litter. Uh, We brought her home and I just, you know, she was my new favorite thing. And I think, John, like with a lot of kids with a new toy at Christmas, you get bored with it after a while. Right. And so she was really fun for me for a minute. But when it's turned into a responsibility and I'd have to come home from school and walk her and I wasn't so into it. And I came home from school one day and Angel was gone. Parents thought it would be best if Angel go with this woman and live on this farm. And that was the decision that was made. And that was about two or three years into us having her. So I was like in seventh grade at this point. For years, John, like forever, like when I started to sort of mature, when my childhood little kid brain started to grow up a little bit, felt really guilty about how she was treated and neglected because she was. And uh, she was a beautiful dog. And I always really did love dogs. I said to myself for years, I'm going to get a dog someday and I'm going to do this right. For decades, I always wanted to get another dog and have another chance. Right. Oh, wow. See, it's interesting. You bring up the the memory of the dog or going to the breeder and the dog coming home. And I remember when my dad brought a dog home for us, and I think I was in third grade, and he brought home this little black Labrador puppy. Yeah. And we named her Samantha. Well, I got to name her, so I wanted her to be Samantha from Bewitched. Of course. As a young gay boy would want. Right. But I remember so clearly those, I, I mean, I will never forget the memories of, it's kind of ingrained in me, of those first few days of this new life in our house. And I too wasn't um, 
that connected with her and and we would we would all kind of take care of her but we also just these are the days when you just open the door and let your dog wander the neighborhood for the whole day right calls from the neighbors saying your dog you know sam's in our garbage again sam's in our pond again you know et cetera, et cetera. we'd have to go get her but she just kind of wandered the neighborhood and would come home at dinner time and it's just crazy i mean we wouldn't do that today no but i was not a dog child in the same way that I am as an adult and it's, it is, it's very interesting that as a, as an adult, when dogs came into my life, it was very, very different, especially when I adopted my first dog as a single man. I mean, my life just changed. Everything changed. I was one of those people who said one day I'm waiting for that right moment. And I don't know when, like, when is that moment? I've never had a plan for my life, let alone, I'm going to get a dog this summer and I've got it mapped out. No, 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 no. It didn't work out that way. When did you decide it was time to get a dog? When I was in front of your store on oh, 7th Avenue God. South taking pictures for your adoption event. That's when. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember that day? I remember the day, yes. So just for the listeners, I had a store down in the village in, in New York City, and I was working with the North Shore Animal League, and they would come with a big mobile unit, and we would do these adoption events, which were really my favorite days at the store more than anything. And to see that mobile unit roll up and they'd roll the windows up and you'd see all these animals waiting to find homes. And we would have great, very successful days. And so George, you were there one day. You told me about an event coming up and I came down and I thought, okay, I'll come down. And you, I remember said to me, you're like, it's time, it's time. You were kind of giving me a nudge. (laughs) And I came down, I remember thinking, I'm going to bring my iPhone and I will take some pictures for Facebook and help my friend John out and create some awareness and put these pictures of this adoption event on my Facebook. Yeah. And I went down there and I was smitten with uh, more than just one of the animals, but I remember seeing the dog that I ended up bringing home. Yeah. He was teeny tiny, maybe all of about 11 or 12 pounds. He was, I think, nine or 10 weeks old, a little black lab mix. Just looked at me through the bars of that crate And I remember thinking to myself, you can do this right now. You don't have much else going on. Why don't you just go ahead and change your life? You've always wanted to do this. You've been thinking about this for years. Just do it. And I did it. And I named him Smokey. Yeah. At home, at my apartment, I didn't have a crate. I didn't have bowls. I had no toys. I had no food. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) There was a pet store around the corner from me in Hell's Kitchen. And the guy working there did not oversell me on anything. He was very helpful. This is what you're going to need. And I was terrified. I remember thinking, what did I just do? What happened in your life when, when he came into it? I was a nocturnal drinker. I had gotten sober eight years, seven years before that. And when you stop drinking, it's like, um, you know, you've canceled a big show on your primetime calendar. And this was very good for me. The George show was not all about George. Because again, my life up to that point was very self-absorbed, very George-focused. I had nothing else to be concerned about, really, other than myself. And it gave me this other thing to care about, this other creature, and protect him, and make decisions about health care, and feed him, and train him, and make sure that he was safe, and take him out, make time to walk this little guy, and... It got me out of my rut. I think behaviorally, socially, I was living a very sort of solitary, uh, sedentary also life. At the time, I was a freelancer working from home. And if it weren't for a dog, I'd never leave the house. Yeah. 
Did you find that your engagement with people on the street changed dramatically? 1,000%. He was a social lubricant, and people love him. I mean, he's a very, I got very lucky with him, first of all, personality-wise. He's very easy. Uh, he was easy to train, and that was, this was my first time out of the gate, like, training an animal. Yeah. And you asked how he changed my life. About a year after that, John, I looked at animals very differently in general, and I stopped eating meat about a year later because of Smokey, really. Wow. And you. I will credit you for that as well as an influence. Oh, thank you. Well, I do think that dogs, our pets, are really, in many times, gateway drugs, uh, mm -hmm. so to speak, into the idea of, of vegetarianism. There is this sentient being. There is something behind those eyes. This is an animal that is capable of pain and joy and sorrow and fear, all of which I've experienced with him. Yeah. Now, George, how many years did you have Smokey before you... Uh, opened yourself up to another dog. Six. And so tell me about Lenore. It was a lovely summer day. It was Sunday. It was Father's Day. And walking down Broadway toward my apartment in Hell's Kitchen, I would pass through Columbus Circle. Columbus Circle was hosting a North Shore Animal League adoption event identical to the one oh. that you had at your store. Yeah. And I thought, what's the harm? I'll just go through this RV. I'll take a peek, maybe take some pictures and just... Right. 30 minutes later, I got another puppy in my lap and I'm in a cab on the way home. And that was Lenore. I, you just, uh -huh. yeah. Adoption events are dangerous for me. Yes, they are. But I remember thinking like, all right, George, you ready to turn your life upside down again? I'm like, sure. Why not? Yeah. She was also young, maybe 10 weeks old. Also, her name was bandit for a week. Yeah. Cause I thought, Oh, Smokey and the bandit, clever, hilarious. And I thought, Oh, that's a little too cute. And, um, Lenore was a name I had always fantasized about because it's like it's such an old lady name that you would see like on a name tag in a dirty diner, you know? Yes. Like, Lenore has a pencil in her hair. She has no time yeah. for your indecision. Like, what'll it be, hon? Exactly. That's Lenore. <laughs> so she was tough. She was a lot of anxiety. She was very nervous. And that's when I learned that not all dogs are the same. And I almost brought her back. About a week or 10 days into it, I had a neighbor's puppy tote and I was ready to hit the train back out to Fort Washington where yeah. North Shore Animal League is located and bring her back. Cause I thought this is, I, this is more than I can handle. I can't do it. The morning I was going to do it. And this is a true story. I thought they're just going to put her in a crate again and she's going to have that anxiety. And I thought, let me try something. And I went to the pet store and I got one of those like sort of collapsing accordion, like pressure gates. And I got one that was like, and she was a tenacious girl, still is. Like, she could hop over a lot. And I got one that's, like, the size for a Great Dane. And I sequestered her to the kitchen for when I left the apartment or when she was sleeping. And that did the trick. But I almost lost. Like, I almost gave her away. I almost brought her back. I'm really glad I, I did didn't. the same so. thing. I remember with my first dog that I adopted, I, a few weeks into it, I was like, I can't do this. With Tim? With Tiny Tim, yeah. I was ready to, to take him back because he was, I, it was all me. Mm-hmm. It was really all me, but I just wasn't, I wasn't prepared. I was right. ill-equipped, but, um, you know, we he and I figured it out. These dogs have been given me a really great opportunity to make a living amends to Angel because I just, it does make me cringe when I think about how selfish, what a selfish little 11, 12, 13 year old I was, but she had a better life in a better place with this woman. And I've got these guys. So dogs touch our lives in so many ways. They really are our teachers. What have Smokey and Lenore taught you? I could get upset with Lenore because Lenore can still be a little tricky. Yeah. 
and she'll have this, you know, a moment of I'm sorry or whatever. And she knows that she's being corrected, but she doesn't live in that. Right. You know, like it was a moment. She doesn't hang on to a resentment. Yes. You know, I have a black belt in that. Like I have a black belt and I think a PhD and a master's degree somewhere in holding on to a resentment. (laughs) But my dogs, it doesn't linger. Oh, I love it. So they teach me to, you know, it's all about right now. Yeah. And right now everything's great. Hey, it's cool. We got food. We're good. (laughs) That ball is amazing. Yeah. Have you ever been as happy as a dog when you throw a ball? Like the simplest thing brings so much joy. No, it's so true. Are there any particular stories that you might share about Smokey and Lenore where they helped you through a really tough time? I've never been like a suicidal person. I'm just not that guy. You know, whenever you sit down and they ask you medical questions, have you ever had thoughts of killing yourself or whatever, however they ask those when you're at a doctor's office or something like that? The answer is always no, and I'm not lying. Like, I've never thought about that. But there have been times when I would entertain the idea of, gosh, wouldn't it it be nice to just kind of no longer be alive? Where if there is some supreme being in our lives that came to me when I was sleeping and said, George, we're going to give you two choices. The first choice is... You can continue, you know, we're going to leave you alone. You can wake up and things are just going to continue the way they are. That's option one. Option two is we're going to take you now. And John, if I'm going to be rigorously honest, there have been times in my life I would have chosen B. Yeah. But I still don't think that no one would ever take care of them or love them the way I do. And they've given me so much. I got to pay it back. And I look in his eyes and I look in her eyes And I'm not going to leave them with somebody else. Are you fucking kidding me? I don't own them, but I'm in charge of taking care of them. You know, there's a certain way Lenore likes to take a treat. (laughs) I get that. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, You have created um, this amazing social media following and this wonderful presence. But one of the things that I love about your social media uh, posting is that I don't know if it's, is it that pretty much every day you, when you take your dogs on a walk to Central Park, you'll do oh, the morning walk. Five. Yeah. So mm-hmm. tell me about that because I love that. And again, I think that it gives such, it's kind of like tuning into your life and I've just, and it's, it's a little bit mesmerizing and it's so amazing too, that I think for people getting just to see you walking your dogs in, in Central Park, maybe what there was somebody else who was doing a live video and I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to check out Instagram live videos. I've never done yeah. one. And I just literally fired it up one day and just started doing it. You know, one of the reasons I started doing it was to just like have something to keep me company with my dogs as I'm walking in central park. And I love my dogs, but I miss uh, human interaction as well. Sure. Because the lockdown it's been, I'm not going to lie. You know, it's been a very lonely time. Yeah. I thought this is not anything profound. It's me just on a walk with my dogs talking about whatever comes to mind. It was to keep me company. And then I got a lot of feedback from people that it gave them comfort. And that's good enough for me. George, what a, what a pleasure to see you since we're doing this uh, over video and to hear you and to just kind of dive deeper into your story with Lenore and Smokey. And I'm so glad that I was there to meet Smokey on his first day with you. So let's wrap this up, George, by if you could just let us know, where can we find you on social media? I am on Twitter and Instagram at George Hahn, and I am on TikTok at George Hahn NYC. Okay. George, great to see you, sweetheart. 
Likewise, my dear, always. It was so great having George on the show. He and I have known each other for such a long time, and yet I learned a lot, especially about his experience as a child and having this dog that he was not really able to take care of and the fact that he was able to really make amends in his life now as an adult. To me, that is transformative. If you go to his Instagram and you watch him walking through Central Park with Lenore and Smokey every morning, it's such a wonderful thing to watch. It's almost addictive and such a beautiful story. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It is made with the support of executive producer Scott Benaglio and our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at Dog Save the People, Facebook at Dog Save the People Podcast, and Twitter at Dog Save the PPL. We have a new gift shop on the DogSaveThePeople.com website with our first line of show merchandise that includes super soft t-shirts. We are also happy to say that the shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, have also been added to the DogSaveThePeople.com gift shop. Profits from these t-shirts will be going to support independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, you can reach out to us on our website or on social media or email us at dogsavethepeople at gmail.com. New episodes come out every other Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode from Dog Save the People. Thank you.